0: What comes to your mind when you think of the name or the word priest? Do you think of a guy dressed in all black and he's got a a white collar on? Maybe you think of the Old Testament priests who would perform the the rituals and the sacrifices and the the ceremonies in the Old Testament, even perform them today in in Orthodox Jewish culture. Whatever you think of, uh, chances are when you think of the word priest you probably don't think about yourself. But the biblical truth is, if you are a child of God this morning, you are a priest. You're not a priest because you went to some special school or wear some special outfit or perform some special ceremony. You are a priest this morning because God says you are. Because God calls you a priest. Now, if you understood and lived in the reality of the fact that you are a priest of God, would it change how you go throughout your day? Would it change how you treat people? Would it change how you deal with people at work? Would it change how you interact with your family? If you understood and lived in the reality that you are a priest of God. You are a priest because God has made you one. So let's look at our Bibles in Peter, 1 Peter, chapter number 2. One verse this morning, we'll get into a bunch of others, but first this morning. Second Peter, I'm sorry, First Peter, chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness Into his marvelous light. Now, we need to understand that when Peter's writing this morning, or when he wrote this years ago, he wasn't writing to a group of Levitical priests. He wasn't writing to a group of people who had grown up in the training to be a priest or training to go through the rituals. He wasn't writing to a bunch of Bible college students who were hoping to pastor one day. He wasn't writing to a mission board full of people who were wanting to go out and start churches across the world. He was writing to everyday people. He was addressing the church. He was writing to people who had jobs, people who had families, people who had burdens that they carried, people that had struggles they went through, people who just had everyday life. He was writing to everyday, normal Christians. He was writing to you. He is telling you this morning, you are a royal priesthood. He was talking to people who were wrestling with their new faith and were trying to figure out how it would be lived out in a world that they no longer fit into, that no longer made sense to them. Through Peter, God told them that they were more than they realized they were. He told them they were priests. You are a priest this morning. That is your new identity. And your new identity as a priest of God is greater than we realize. Many of us are searching for a greater identity. Too many people are unhappy with, with who they think they are or who other people think they are. They're, they're unhappy with themselves and they want to change that. And our society is all about that. I mean, you go to, to the bookstore, Barnes and & Noble, and the, the self-help section is huge. You can change your looks. You can change your clothes. You can change everything about yourself because we're not happy with who we are. There's this new show on, on Netflix uh, about getting organized. Anyone ever seen that? Who's watched it? I got one here. I watched the first one. It's weird. You got to tell your clothes, thank you for letting me wear you before you throw them in the garbage. It's whatever doesn't spark joy. That show didn't spark joy with me, so I said thank you and got rid of it, amen? <clears throat> but it's a, the whole premise is you're not happy with how your life is organized so you're trying to, and look, I'm not saying we don't need some help in that. We need some of, some. we need some organization help. I need, I mean, I've got a, I, I, one of my biggest struggles that I, I've had, had it for years is, is time management. I struggle with managing my time. I've got a book that's about time management, getting things done, but I don't have time to read it. So I can't read it to get anything done because I, I can't manage my time properly. And so I'm not saying, man, we, we, there's nothing, you're perfect the way you are. You don't need to change anything. No, no, no. There are some things we need to change. Amen? But too many of us, were so preoccupied with changing everything about ourselves, we ignore what God says about us and the privileges that these things do. We're looking for a greater identity when God's already given us one. We dream of being someone else, of doing something else. In 2002, there was a, a movie released called Catch Me If You Can. had Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Tom Hanks, and I know you all have seen that one. It's a good movie. And it's based on the real life of Frank Abagnale, Jr. Now, Frank Abagnale, Jr., he was a con man, and he was probably the most prolific con man to ever live. Through his life as a criminal he created and assumed many different identities. He created the identity of an airline pilot at the age of 17 and was able to fly over 100,000 miles to 26 different countries. In his, his story, when you read his story, he says that he would fly as a, as a deadhead. He would get on a plane, and as a, just he would, other people would fly, and he was just kind of traveling. But he says many times when they're in the air, the pilots would hand the controls over to him. A 17-year-old with no training whatsoever flying a, a jet full of people across the country because he assumed his identity. He wanted to be an airline pilot, so he assumed this identity. He created the identity of Frank Adams and taught sociology at Brigham Young University for an entire year before he moved on. He created the identity of Frank Williams and he was the chief resident pediatrician in a Georgia hospital. And he only got caught because he almost killed a kid because he created this fake identity. Once he left there, he created the identity of Frank Black. He forged Harvard University transcripts He passed the Louisiana bar, and he got a job in the district attorney's office. Never went to college. Never did anything to earn what he did. He created dozens of other identities to cash and forge checks, and he did it all before the age of 21. All of that before 21. Don't you feel successful now? Man, this kid was a pilot, a lawyer, a doctor, all before 21, And here we are, amen? Now, after his arrest, and uh, he said he began this life because he didn't like the life he was living. His parents were getting divorced. His life was a mess. He was unhappy. And he didn't like who he was becoming, so he decided to become other people. He was desperate for a new identity. You ever find yourself there searching for a new identity? Wishing you could be someone different? Wishing you could be something different. We all have at times where we we do where it's because we've forgotten how incredible our identity as a priest of God really truly is. This identity as a priest, it's not one you can earn. It's not one you can buy. It's not one you can fake. It is freely given to us by our gracious Heavenly Father. And it comes with some incredible privileges. So what are the privileges does this identity as a priest give us? Well, first thing it gives us, it gives us the right to go where others can't. Several years ago, I, was, uh, I, I won a contest, and I was invited to go to a UVA football game. Go who's, amen? Still a who, no matter what. So I was able to go to a UVA football game, and I, was, I wasn't just at the football game. I was able to go to one of the owner's boxes. And I got to sit in the owner's box and got to, man, incredible food that they served you and all kinds of stuff. And I got to watch the game from an incredible seat uh, in, the, in the stadium. And one of the things of the contest was I got to go down to the field at halftime. But before then, they they took us, took me and the other contest winner, they they took us through the UVA locker room and they gave us a tour of the locker room. And we saw the, locker, the lockers of all the players. We, we went through the, the UVA Hall of Fame, and we got to see the helmets and the jerseys of some of the greatest players to ever come out of UVA. I got to see Herman Moore's uh, jersey and Matt Schaub and Tiki Barber and Chris Long and Heath Miller, Sean Moore, Anthony Poindexter, who never made it to the pros because he snapped his knee, but he broke three of my ribs, so I love him anyway. So I got to see all these incredible things and got to go places that no one else typically gets to go. It's a special place reserved for usually people who give a whole lot of money to the university or lucky schmoes like me who win a contest. After the, the tour, we got to go down to the field at halftime, and I got, to, I got to stand right at the ha- on, the, half to, on the, the sideline and watch the rest of the game uh, before half. I got to see about 10 minutes of it. I mean, it was incredible. Some incredible plays I got to see. I mean, if you, during this, this game, it was a UVA-Miami game. There was a, a diving catch in the end zone, one had a diving catch. And if you watch it on ESPN, which you can on YouTube, and you see the diving catch, if you look in the background, there's a big guy in a blue jersey doing this. That's me. Got to, be on half, got to be on the sideline, got to be on ESPN, got to do some incredible things that most people generally don't get to do. I got to go places that most people don't get to go. As a priest, I have the privilege to enter a much more special place than any locker room in the, in the country or in the world. I am invited into the most sacred place in all of creation. I am invited into the most holy place. See, the phrase here in verse number 9 says you are a royal priesthood. That phrase, royal priesthood, it is a weighty phrase to the readers of the first church. They understood the meaning and the severity and the privilege of of Peter saying you are a royal priesthood priesthood. They understood the privileges because they understood the high priest and their role in Jewish culture. And the high priest in Jewish culture were the most revered people in all of the the culture. They were revered, they were honored, and they were able to go places no one else could go. The high priest, and there's only one at any one time in Jewish history, the high priest, this one man He had the privilege of entering the most sacred place in all of Jewish culture, the most holy place. The high priest was able to go into the place where God dwelt among men. He was able to go into the very presence of God, and only he could do it. Every true worshiper of God, they longed for that privilege. Every priest, they could go into the holy place, but they still couldn't go behind the veil and see the presence of God. And they longed to do that. They could only go on what the high priest said and descriptions about it. If you weren't a priest, you couldn't even go into the holy place. You could just go into the the outer court and worship God there. But if you were a Gentile, you couldn't even go into the outer court. You had to stay outside the walls. Why? Because you weren't able to go in. Only the high priest Could go there. Both the temple and the tabernacle were divided into three parts. The the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. Now, surrounding the outer court was what was called the court of the Gentiles. This was where Gentiles could go and worship God. That's, That's us, in case you're wondering. There was a special place where we could go and worship God, but it was far removed from the most holy place. It was far removed from the presence of God. We couldn't go into the outer court. We couldn't go into the holy place. We couldn't go into the most holy place. In the outer court was the biggest part of the temple, and it was where the Jewish people could worship. In the outer court, there was the, the bronze altar, where the sacrifice was made and the animal was killed and the blood would be collected on the bronze altar. There was the the brazen laver where the priests would go and wash themselves before they entered the holy place. Then in the in there there was a little built in the side of the building. There was the holy place. Inside the holy place was the the table of showbread. Was the the altar of incense. Was the candlestick and there was all these things that they would the priests could go in and and change the oil and light the late and light the the incense and and do all the things there. But they couldn't go into the most holy place and the most holy place the smallest area of the temple was where the mercy seat was it was where the ark sat and on top of the ark was the mercy seat of god and that was where god met with man but it only met with one man he met with the high priest and the high priest only god met with the high priest in the most holy place as a gentile we wouldn't even be allowed in the temple We'd have to stand outside the court and just watch what was going on. Archaeologists, when they have excavated the temple, they found signs that have read, no foreigner is to enter within the enclosure around the temple area. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow. That's a pretty good no trespassing sign. Whereas they say, if you come in, you're going to die, and you got yourself to blame. We warned you, stay out. So unless you were a Jew, you couldn't enter the temple unless you were a Levitical priest, you couldn't enter the holy place. Unless you were the high priest, you couldn't enter the very presence of God. Can you imagine the privilege that the high priest got to feel? Being the only man who could enter into God's presence. If if we had that privilege, when we were able to enter God's presence, man, we would never take it for granted. We would be so honored that We get to go before God. We get to come into His presence. And we get to to see God Himself. And we get to to come into the very... If we had that privilege, man, we we would never take it for granted. As a priest, we have that privilege. We have the privilege to go where others couldn't go. As a child of God, we have the privilege to go where the high priest was the only one allowed. We have the privilege to go where the priest couldn't go. Where the rather Jews couldn't go. Where Gentiles couldn't go. We can come into the very presence of God. But too many of us take it for granted. Too many of us don't realize what we have as a priest. We are welcome in the presence of God. Kings couldn't even go where we get to go. In the Old Testament, there's a story about the king, King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a Jewish king that ruled during the temple worship. And King Uzziah was a, was a godly king. He was a king who, who loved God and feared God and was successful. And God was showing favor to him. And he would have been known as a great, God, great king who feared God, but he blew it. One day, he decided to do what wasn't allowed for him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26... Verse 16 says, But when he was strong in his heart, and his heart was lifted up in his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God, and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. So he went into the holy place, not the most holy place, but he went where only priests were allowed to go. He goes into the holy place. to burn altar upon the incense, altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. So he's got 40 priests with him. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests and the sons of Aaron that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be For thine honor, from the Lord God. So Uzziah goes into the holy place to burn incense, and the priests and the high priests say, "You're not allowed in here. This isn't. You're you're not able to do this. This is only for the priests and the 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 Levitical priests, the ones of Aaron who've been consecrated. You can't be here. Don't do this." But Uzziah didn't listen. Verse 19. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense and. While he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest and the priest looked upon him and behold, he was leprous. ...and his forehead. And they thrust him out of the thence. Yea, the himself has also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death, and dwelt in several houses, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the act of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial, which belonged to the king's. So for they said... He is a leper. And Jonathan his son reigned in his stead. So Uzziah was a, was a good king, a godly king. He had a, a great future ahead of him. He would, have been, he would have gone down in Jewish history as one of the greatest kings besides King David to rule over the nation. But what Uzziah was known for was he was a leper. Whenever children learned about Uzziah, they didn't learn about all the great accidents. They learned, oh, Uzziah, he was a leper said he was buried in the field of the kings he wasn't even buried in the temple they had a, a cave that they buried all the kings in Uzziah wasn't even allowed to be buried in there with him he was buried in the field next to it so they go on a field trip with the kids and they go who's that grave out in the middle of the field oh that's that's king Uzziah he was a leper why because he went somewhere he wasn't able to go but we can We can go beyond the holy place. We can go to the most holy place, the very presence of God. We have the privilege to go where kings could not go. Why do we have that privilege? We could go where even a godly couldn't go. What makes a difference? Jesus makes the difference. Christ has given you access to the presence of God. He made it possible for you to enter the most holy place. In Hebrews 10, verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. During the time of the temple worship, the high priest would sacrifice an altar on the bronze, the bronze altar in the, in the, the temple uh, courtyard, and he would take that blood on the day of atonement. He would kill that lamb, and he would take that blood, and he would enter into the, holy, the most holy place. But he could only go into the most holy place if he had the blood. If he didn't have the blood of the lamb and he walked in there when he wasn't able to, God would have smote him dead. He would have died instantly. The blood of the lamb one time a year was what gave him the right to go into the presence of God. He could not come into the presence without the blood. Jesus changed all of that. He willingly shed his blood so we could have access to the presence of the living God. He came to be the lamb that took away the sin of the world, not a lamb that covered it for a while. You were invited into the presence of God by the blood of God's Son. Without the blood, you can't come in. Without the blood, you can't come into the presence of God. But if you're a child of God and the blood of Christ has washed your account clean, you have the privilege and the honor to come into the very presence of God. You are invited to come into his presence. There was a curtain in the temple between the holy place and the most holy place that separated God from man. When Jesus died, that curtain was torn in two. The Bible says in Matthew 27, Jesus... When he cried again with a loud voice, it yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Because Jesus' body was torn for us, the veil was torn. The most holy place is now accessible to us as priests of God. Jesus changed everything. So we have the honor, the privilege to go where others can't. Another thing we have is we have the Privilege to go into the most holy place. Now, Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection has given us access to the presence of God, to the most holy place. But where is it? The temple's been destroyed, the tabernacle's gone. So, where is the presence of God now? Where is the mercy seat? Where is the ark where we can go into the presence of God? Is it some special room in the church that you haven't been told about yet because you haven't quite? Made it to the inner circle? No, there's no room here that we keep an ark to go. Is it like Indiana Jones says, is it in some special uh, government facility being stored because if you open it up, it melts off your face? No, it's not there either. So where is the presence of God? Where is the most holy place? His throne is no room. There's no curtain. There's no physical place to gain access to to God. God doesn't meet with man like that anymore. His throne is not in a temple. It's not in a church. His throne is in heaven, and we have the privilege to go there even now before. I'm not saying, all you get to see when you're dead. No, you can go there now. As a child of God, as a priest, I can come into the presence of God anywhere and anytime I want. We are able to go directly to the throne of God and find grace and find mercy. We don't physically go there. We go there spiritually. We can meet with him. Anywhere. You can meet with God wherever you are. You know, we have this idea that, you know, the church, we call the church the house of God. And I don't think we really believe it. We kind of get the idea that this is where God lives. And throughout the week, he's here going through his chores, doing whatever he wants to do. And on Sunday morning, he wakes up early, gets ready, and man, they're coming to see me. They're coming to my house. And we think, oh, we're going to go to God's house. We're going to go to God's presence. Look, this, it's a building. It's just a building. It's a big building. It's a nice building. But it's just a building. God doesn't live here. If you're a child of God, God lives inside of you. You are the house of God. You are the temple of God. God lives in... That means you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to come meet with God. You can meet with God anytime you feel like it. In your house, in your car, at work. Wherever you are, you are in... The presence of God. Why? Because you're a priest. Because your identity gives you that right. You have a greater privilege than the high priest ever had. You can come into his presence whenever and wherever you are. Through the high priest, he could have the honor to go into the presence of God, but he could do it one day a year. One day a year, he got to go into the presence of God. You can go there any day. Any second... You can enter into the presence of God. You can spend time with God right now. But too many of us don't. You know, I've often thought, man, as you read the Old Testament, you see these, these men who got to meet God, spend time with them, face-to-face. I think of Moses, who got to, you know, of course he talked to God in the burning bush, but then he got to go on Mount Sinai and spend 40 days in the presence of God. Talking to God face-to-face, getting the Ten Commandments, getting the law. Think of Abraham, who was called a friend of God, who multiple times got to meet with God and talk to God. And you think, man, I would love to be able to meet with God like that. And the Old Testament saints, they're in heaven now go, man, I'd love to have the privilege to have God with me all the time. See, we don't have to wait for God to come in a burning bush. We don't have to wait for God to invite us up to a mountain. We don't have to wait for God to show up. We can go spend time with God any time we want to, anywhere we want to, we take it for granted. I think honestly when we get up to heaven, the high, the, uh, high priests and the, uh, the Old Testament saints, I think they're going to give us a stern talking to. You had the greatest privilege in the world, and you never took you never used it. You never took advantage of it. You could talk to God whenever you wanted to, and you never did. Abraham's like, I had to wait for. I mean, think of David, King David, he never got to talk to God face to face. You think you, you had the greatest privilege in the world and you, you never did it. We take it for granted. We are continually invited into the most holy place. We are invited to enjoy the presence of God, to be with him, but we miss the opportunity. See, too many times we, we treat prayer as something we do at important times in our day or important times in our life instead of a continual communication with God. We pray in the morning, we pray over our meals, we pray at night. If we're real good Christians, we pray during important transition events or important times in our life. But we view prayer as something we do at certain times when we are invited into his presence all the time. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. He says, you have the honor, the privilege to spend every second you can with God. Don't take it for granted. Don't let it be something that you just do whenever you need him. Let it be a lifestyle you enjoy. As a priest, we have an incredible privilege. We can go where others couldn't go. We can go where kings were not allowed to go. We can go into the very presence of God. You can go into his presence whenever you want and wherever you are. You can do what others could not. You are a royal priest. You can enter the presence of God. You can meet with him anytime, anywhere. Understanding that. Will it change how you live your life tomorrow? Will it change how you treat people? Will it change how you interact with God? Knowing you can go to him whenever and wherever you are. Do not ignore and neglect the privilege of being a priest of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.